Good morning. It's good to be with you all once again. And uh, we're taking some time to talk about the things that Jesus did. But I want to start um, here. One of the things that I've learned to love to do for a variety of reasons, I love going to movies. I love going to movies by myself, though. Now you're like, why would you go to the movies by yourself? Well, for one, you can't really talk to people during movies. But two, in the 31 years of my wife and I being married, we've come to be okay with that we like different kinds of movies. She's kind of done with the loud and superheroes and the things exploding. And I'm kind of done with the movies that I can predict how they're going to end as soon as they start. But that being said, time to time, I see a movie and I'm like, man, I would love to see this with Lisa. So I go home and I say, Lisa, we need to see this movie. And it's kind of this dialogue where she goes, well, you've already seen it. I don't want to ruin, you know, but I know I want to see this with you because I want to talk about this with you. Because it's the kind of story that doesn't just sit on its own. It's the kind of story that shapes you, that is meant to be talked about, that you don't just leave the theater and it's, it's gone once you do. And so we will take time and watch those movies. And the reason I even say that, because this story that we're going to look at today about what Jesus did is a lot like that. It can feel familiar. It can feel like we know this one already. It can feel like you can read it and go, oh, that's another thing Jesus did. But I think it's really meant to be seen as an actual event that comes alive when you talk about it with other people. So I want to do that today. I want to lead us through it, talk you through it, but I don't want it just to sit here in the next 30 minutes. I want this to be something that shapes and molds you and moves us together. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this chance to just dive into the word you gave us. And Jesus, this moment that you shared with us that Luke then retells should be transformational. May it move us this morning. In your name, amen. So we're in Luke chapter 7, it's verses 36 through 50. So let me just read it and then we'll unpack. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table, referring to Jesus. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, with her hair and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, and if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Then Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, then tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he, meaning Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, 
Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but the woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put on my, on my head, you did, not, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now what's happening here? It's believed at this time there was like these religious leaders who would host these dinners, maybe a society, where they would invite somebody to come and talk theology. It was a men-only affair, it was a men-only event, and was a large gathering, and often people from outside of those who were invited would come to listen, to hear the debate, to hear the conversation. Simon somehow got Jesus there. Simon may have just been a person who's like, man, I want people who are popular, and I want to also show them how much smarter I am than them. But Jesus is there, and he shows up. Now, many cultures have things that if you don't do them, they just stick out right away. When I lived in Hawaii, it was very obvious, very quick, that people did not wear shoes in the house. When you invite guests over, everybody took their shoes off. It wasn't even a, you didn't have to say anything. You didn't need a sign. It became so normal that when somebody walked in with shoes on, it stuck out like a sore thumb. You saw it right away. Inevitably, they weren't from there. So now when Jesus walked into this, it was obvious to all that the cultural things of washing his feet, of anointing his head, of giving him a kiss of a greeting wasn't done for him. It jumped out. The host Simon. Now, this shows us that maybe not all the relationship between Pharisees and Jesus were agnostic or antagonistic at the time, but they were getting pretty close. Now, he was there to question him. Maybe some of his intention, Simon's intention, was to say, man, was Jesus really a prophet? How did Jesus' message compare to the Pharisees? Did it even hold up? Was he a threat or an ally? Who did Jesus claim to be? Can he be reached for his side? In the sense, it was like Simon might have been hosting a talk show, but he wasn't really that interested in getting Jesus' voice out there. He was probably more interested in revealing that Jesus wasn't quite there yet. And then there's this uninvited guest, this woman. Like I said, probably a lot of people from the town at this outdoor courtyard could listen in. She wasn't invited, but there's something within her. She was referred to as a sinner. Now, this isn't just like one of those, like, she's a sinner, like we all are a sinner. But it was actually a label placed upon her culturally at that time. And most likely it meant that her sins were visible meaning it was an outward. People knew. Many people thought she was a, a prostitute. All that goes to really say is that there are those who followed the law, like the Pharisees, and anybody who didn't, they just referred to them as sinners. You'll see that with tax collectors, 
with, with anyone who wasn't within the law and they saw that they were unclean. We didn't want to connect with them. So Simon's having this gathering with people, kind of like a talk show. Jesus is getting really, really popular. Simon's like, I'm going to invite this guy in, going to see what he's really all about. And this woman, when she heard that Jesus was in her town, she went to see and most likely probably got there early, as soon as she could. Her presence in the Pharisee's home showed courage and determination. She probably had heard the message of forgiveness and salvation before, and she's like, this man has something for me. So back at the setting, they, even Luke references this. He, when he had lied down at the table, they often would do this. There's a table. They would often lean on their left hand with their feet away from the table, and that's how they would sit and eat and engage and talk. Because there was a connection between him and Simon, Simon invited him in. He was probably facing Simon. But this also references why the woman would have been at his feet. His feet were away from the table, so the closest she could actually get to Jesus was to his feet. And she embraced what she had access to. The tears to wet and her hair to wipe his feet. His kisses, her kisses on his feet. And then she anointed not his head, but all she had access to was his feet. So she brought perfume, which was even more than oil. And this wasn't a sign of effectiveness or efficiency, but just a sign of authenticity. That as close as I can get to this man, I want to get. And then there's a turning point in this story, like every great movie has as well. There's a turning point where the motives of the Pharisees get revealed, as well as the deity and grace and forgiveness of Jesus gets revealed. It's at this line. It says, when the Pharisee, mentioning Simon, when Simon, who had invited him, thought to himself, or he said he said to himself, this wasn't a verbal word. It's, if you're watching a film, you know those sometimes they're like, there's a voice to the person's thoughts. That's what it's like. This man didn't talk out loud. He just thought to himself, this man really were a prophet. He would realize who's touching him. So now Simon's reasoning is really illuminating, and it, it went something like this. Here was his premise. If Jesus were a prophet, he would know people's character. And if Jesus knew this woman was a sinner, he would have nothing to do with her. So therefore, his conclusions was, Jesus had, since Jesus had accepted this woman, he doesn't know her character, and since he doesn't know her character, he's not really a prophet, and if he's not a prophet, he is not really, we don't need to listen to him. He's nothing different than a rabbi with some weird, strange ideas. He's kind of eliminating himself. Now, Simon, like many of us, was being very logical about his thinking and his response to the Lord Jesus. Now, there was nothing really wrong with the flow of Simon's logic, other than the fact that he based his conclusions on a faulty premise. His first premise was actually correct. If Jesus were a prophet, he would be able to discern the character of this person touching him. That is a correct premise. But it was his second premise that failed him. So Simon, like other Pharisees, the word Pharisee means to separate, to be different, to separate themselves. And they assumed that holiness was primarily a matter of separation, that if they touched something that was sinful, they would no longer become holy. 
Jesus' approach was, I am holy, and if you come touch me, I bring you back to the place of right standing with God. The Pharisees would say holiness was achieved by keeping oneself separate, but according to this view, the woman, Jesus should have shunned her. So Simon concluded that either Jesus didn't know this woman's character, that whether or not he knew about her sinfulness, he was physically contaminated by her and thus could not be holy. So even if Jesus knew it, the fact that he allowed her to touch it, he's like, this dismisses Jesus. This is it. This is the end of his ministry. He's done. We're going to spread this. But Jesus went beyond Simon's expectation and beyond his premises. Jesus was not only able to detect her character. In verse 47, he says, man, her sins are many. He was also able to know the thoughts of Simon. See, Simon didn't make his thoughts known, but Jesus heard them and saw them. Let me go back to the specifics. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something for you. That must have been a shocking thing. Simon's like, wait, okay, what is it? You see, in that moment, Jesus broke the silence, probably a terribly awkward silence, like, oh, man, if he knew who was really there. By saying that he had something to say personally to Simon, now this is a direct conversation. Simon says, all right, tell me. Kind of defiant. Kind of the words imply like, well, I'm not sure what you're going to say. Your actions have already just have proved that you're not who you say you are. So go ahead. Kind of like you're digging your own grave here, Jesus. Tells him the parable. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? I really believe that Jesus includes Simon in this parable. And I'll let you decide which one he is. You see, I think we instantly assume, well, it's the woman who's called a sinner had the greatest sin, but might be the greater sin was someone who was totally indifferent to who Jesus was whatsoever and placed it as trust in himself. But I'll move on. Simon replied, well, I suppose, kind of that reluctant answer, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? If you could see this scene visually, try to picture it. Jesus reclining at a table. He's, his, his interaction has been with Simon, the man who invited him. And the woman is to his backside as his feet are extended. And at this moment, he turns away from the host, from the master of ceremonies, from the one who invited him and faced the woman. He gave her all of his attention. Jesus had faced the man who inwardly questioned him, and the man didn't welcome him. So Jesus was now facing the woman, and he said, Simon, look at her. Simon, notice her. Simon, acknowledge her. She is doing the very basic thing that you would not do for me. And yet your concern is that she's making me unholy. She kissed me. 
She washed my feet. She anointed me. You see, Simon, the Pharisee, thought that Jesus was the one who couldn't see her. His thought was, Jesus, you don't even know what this shameful woman is doing to you. But Jesus turned the thought around on Simon saying, do you see this woman? Do you see her love? Do you see her repentance? Do you see her devotion? Because that's what I see. Then he goes on and he's talking to the woman. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. The evidence is her great love shows this. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests who had been joined to hear this confrontation, the guests who began to say among themselves, man, who is this that even forgave sins, which becomes a running thing whenever Jesus did it. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, when Jesus speaks to the woman in the final verses of this passage of this story, he now makes clear to her the basis of her forgiveness. It's not her actions. It's not that she wiped his feet when they weren't wiped. It's not that she kissed him when he wasn't kissed. It's not that she anointed with perfume when he didn't anoint with oil. It's his emphasis that forgiveness really is a gift from God. It is from him, and it's granted to those who have faith. He points to some action of faith. So here's the question. What was it that the woman believed by faith? I believe that the text strongly implies the answer, and here it is. The woman believed that if she came to Jesus as a repentant sinner, that Jesus would not send her away. She had probably been sent away so many times. But in her heart, when she said, I've heard the message from this man. If I go to him, he will not send me away. That's faith. She came to him as a sinner, believing by faith that he would not send her away, and she was right. And you know, from far as we can tell, of all of those who crowded in that courtyard that night, with Jesus right in the middle of them all, that she's the one who left forgiven. The one that was seen as the outcast, as the one who would bring damage to the party, as the one who actually would make every person there unholy, actually left justified and righteous and forgiven and holy. Now, the final words Jesus says to this woman is this, go, go in peace. And that word go was probably not welcomed by her. She liked being at the feet of Jesus. She probably liked sitting there and knowing that he wasn't pushing her away like she'd been pushed away so many times or taken advantage so many times. He saw her for something different. Yet Jesus sweetened maybe the word go with, by adding in peace. The key is that she could go in peace because she had heard from Jesus that her faith had saved her. She was no longer defined by the actions that she did, but was freed from those forgiven and a part of who Jesus wanted her to be. I can't help but think about these questions, and these are the kinds of questions when you watch a great film that maybe you talk to people that you're close with, 
you start asking about, man, which character do you relate with? How do you, why do you think they saw things a certain way? And maybe questions for us is, how do I relate like Simon? Are there times I'm so close, but yet my logical reasoning brings me to places where I'm like, ah, maybe for someone else. Or the things that make sense to me, like, man, if I'm close to sin, that's going to actually hurt me versus pursuing those who are in trouble to save them and help them. See, Jesus didn't abstain from the sin. He pressed in towards it so that they would know they are loved and accepted and forgiven. How am I or how should I be more like the sinful woman who's like, Jesus is here? I'm going to see him because he will not send me away. That I can go before him confidently and just be, I am so sorry. I am repentant. I think those kinds of questions help us to see what our part in this story is. The powerful moment for me in all of this is that Jesus, I mean, who Jesus was and is, fully man, fully God, fully holy, never sinned. And when he entered, he could enter any situation and remain holy. Sin didn't affect him. In fact, he drew sinners towards him because he knew that it wasn't the issue about him becoming unholy. The issue was this person that was about to touch him was separated, and he didn't want that for them anymore. So he brought him to them. So knowing these things and having our hearts in tune with what is actually happening in this story, I'd love for you maybe to close your eyes Try to visualize this situation, visualize this story, and let me read it to you one more time. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. There was a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee had, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he says. Well, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, and neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which will you think will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You, Simon, you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, Simon, you did not give me a kiss, 
but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's our Jesus. It's what he did. It's what he does. It's what he says. It's true today. He draws us to him. And when we let him do that, we're changed. We're at peace. We are no longer at odds with God. We are invited into his holy kingdom to be with him. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you, praise you, that Jesus, you humbled yourself, took on human form. You limited where you could be, but you were not limited in what you could do. You were limited to human boundaries of walking and talking, but you did not let go of the power that you had in your prophecy and your ability to see men's hearts and the ability to see a woman's actions. And you were not dismayed by her sin, but burdened for her need of salvation. So we thank you. We accept that into our lives. May once we accept the forgiveness and have peace, may we be a clear conduit of that to others. So that when they see us and interact with us, they too feel like, man, I came and I was not turned away. So Jesus, I pray that our hearts and minds will be changed today. We love you. In your name, amen.